Hello, and welcome to The Mastering Show. My name is Ian Shepard. I'm a mastering engineer, and I run the production advice website aimed at helping you get the best results recording, mixing, and mastering your music. And joining me, as ever, is my co-host, John Tidy from reaperblog.net. Hi, John. Hello. Okay, let's get down to business. This week's show is about clipping. Probably everybody listening knows what clipping is. What they might be surprised to hear me say is that I use clipping sometimes and that there are some benefits to clipping. Um, but before we get to all of that, I guess we should talk about what it is. I mean, I've done a bunch of blog posts on this topic and, and some videos and stuff, and that's really easy because you can just show people. Um, we can't show people because this is, well, it's not radio, but it's podcast. Um, so I, I was thinking about it earlier today and I've come up with an analogy. I'm not convinced it's the best analogy in the world, but it's very visual. So go with me. So I want everybody to imagine a row of trees, fir trees, in front of you. And they're fir trees of different heights. So you, you look at them and they're silhouetted against the sky and you can see this kind of spiky outline of the fir trees um, against the sky. That's my analogy for the audio waveform, for the spiky shape of an audio waveform. Now you need to imagine a huge rotary fan hovering above the trees or maybe a helicopter flying upside down or something and it's so huge that it, it the, the blades span from one end of the line of trees to the other and then you have to imagine that the entire row of trees is on some kind of hydraulic lift system so that you can lift this row of trees up towards the fan so initially there's maybe two or three feet of clear space in between the tops of the trees and the fan and then gradually you lift it up and you lift it up and you're using up that headroom until the tip of the tallest tree is hanging just below the rotary fan and i'm guessing everybody listening to this will realize that that's we've effectively normalized the trees right we've peak normalized the trees so we've lifted them so there's no more available headroom now if you use the hydraulic lift to lift the line of trees any higher that fan starts chopping into the trees and you you know it's carnage <laughs> it's it's well it's not a bloodbath but it's a sap bath and then at some point you can say, okay, enough. And you lower the hydraulic lift down again and you're left with, you no longer have this wonderful spiky tree line in front of you. Uh, it's been flat topped. It's been clipped. Uh, see what I did there? Clipping a hedge, yeah. trees, no? Um, <laughs> yeah, you don't sound impressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and that's my visual analogy for clipping. That's what happens in audio when you lift the audio signal higher than the headroom the, of the the system that it can accommodate um the the tops of the waveforms just get sliced off uh and so yeah you weren't impressed by my analogy were you no i like to think of a person in a room and there's a ceiling there's a floor and there's a ladder going up to the ceiling so he, he starts to climb the ladder and when he hits the top he hits his head right and we're telling him to go higher so in digital He's just getting squished. He's getting crushed. He can't go any higher. In analog, he gets squished, but he's going up a little bit higher. He's he's breaking through the ceiling. So, uh, so that's my analogy, I guess. So I have another analogy, which is about a boxer in a box. Um, but we've done the boxing analogy, so I'm not going to go there. Um, I think my analogy is better than your analogy because you can see the peaks in it. You can see the peaks, but you can see the peaks getting sliced off. Because yeah. let's leave it analog. I mean, it's great because we need to move on to the difference between analog and digital clipping. Um, the let's leave analog to one side for a minute. In a digital system, you know, the clipping is when the signal, the waveform signal, goes above zero, and 
uh, it's not like he gets squashed up against this anything gets squashed up against the ceiling it's not like those trees get kind of squashed up against the rotary fan if that was the case when the floor went back down again or he went back down the ladder or whatever and the, the problem with digital is when he comes back down he has no head um yeah you know with with digital audio the the any numbers up higher than zero just disappear and and i mean the same applies to analog although yeah the the difference between as opposed to analog and digital is it's really hard versus soft clipping um digital is kind of the ultimate in hard clipping in the sense that the signal is fine the signal is fine the signal is fine then it hits zero and suddenly it's all flat so it's an instantaneous slicing off of the peaks of the waveform there's no transition it just happens whereas in analog you know what we're talking about is nothing to do with numbers you're talking about pushing the signal up so that the there's no headroom in the the components of the of the the hardware and in that situation the transition from not clipping to clipping is much more gradual and there's there's a ton of different you know ways that that can happen um which is i think one of the things that makes analog clipping more interesting and more varied because it could be frequency specific and things like that it can be frequency specific absolutely and it can well you know and you can have you can have a gradual transition into something that clips which i guess maybe something like analog tape um or you can have quite a hard transition not as hard probably as pure digital clipping but quite a sudden transition depending on the the gear well and then it comes down all comes down to the things like the harmonic content which we'll get onto in a minute so yeah i I like to think i mean you know digital is is well it's more complicated because there are digital emulations of analog or soft clipping but i think for me the distinction is hard clipping versus soft clipping and kind of the next obvious question is what do they sound like and as I hinted just a minute ago, the, the thing about analog is because there are so many different varieties and uh, types of clipping that can happen, it's not easy to say what it sounds like. Uh, one of the things about digital clipping is that it is what it is, and you can be more sure how it's going to sound. However, a key aspect of both analog and digital, hard and soft clipping, is that they sound different depending on what the material is. So let's just, if you look at the kind of simple case of digital hard clipping, and you think of something like a snare, snare sound, or maybe a distorted electric guitar, where there's a lot of, uh, especially high frequency noise in the signal to begin with, um, you could probably clip those kind of signals fairly hard without hearing blatant distortion. Whereas if you take a much more pure sound like say uh, the high registers of a piano or a clean solo electric guitar or uh, a female vocal even a couple of dbs can introduce obvious distortion in those cases and when that happens to me uh, the kind of words that come to mind would be gritty or clicky or fizzy or uh, kind of buzzing kind of distortion sounds do you, do you agree with those is that how you hear them what words do you use to describe it yeah it's it brings out a harshness that wasn't there originally and um you know i, I could clip drums all day no problem with that i could put t- loads of distortion and clipping on drums and it tends to just sound better uh, up to a certain point uh piano just the slightest bit and i cannot listen to it anymore yeah, I agree. Um, well, actually, I don't agree about clipping all day <laughs> and it only sounding better on drums. But um, I certainly, certainly, you I mean, can get away with a lot more. 
I think you can get away with a lot more in kind of noisy, stuff that sounded noisy originally, that had lots of high-frequency content, lots of noise-like kind of random uh, hash in it anyway, yeah. because that's the kind of stuff that it adds, so it, it gets gets masked. But there's also like the transient shape pushing up the signal against a brick wall, essentially, without the pumping artifacts that you would get with a limiter. And I'm sure we'll get into this stuff later, the differences between clipping and limiting and or compression, or just outright distortion. Um, but I find it, I can use more clipping than I can of other things to get certain tones on drums. Um, with, with piano, can't use any. It just immediately sounds bad to me. I, I've heard some, there was something I was listening to earlier this week that has a lot of distorted piano in it, and I just I can't listen to that album. Yeah, I now that that's the bit where I was saying I definitely agree with you. Uh, piano and certain other instruments, um, yeah, it, it's just it's kind of I'm, I'm the same. It's like no for me. In fact, possibly the thing that gave me the idea for this topic for the show is I was involved in a, a fairly heated Facebook debate with uh, Ethan Weiner, who runs uh, Real Traps, an excellent company making acoustic treatment in the US. He's got something of a name for being a bit of a a mythbuster in terms of kind of coming out and well, poo-pooing the idea that you can hear the difference between dither and truncated audio, for example, and whether high sample rates are audible or not, all kinds of stuff. But in this case, he was suggesting that clipping is not as bad as everyone, you know, clipping is often held up as the, the devil, the, the, the ultimate sin. Um, and he was saying, oh, come on, it's, you know, it's just another form of distortion. It's not that much worse. Um, and I, and actually a bunch of other people felt we had to weigh in and say, actually, no, it is digital clipping in particular is worse than analog clipping and any number of other things even when the effects of it are quite mild and i think one of the reasons that i feel it's worse is that it's very unnatural sounding all these other kinds of soft clipping that we're talking about you know overdriving a mic or a preamp or uh the the mix bus in a desk or a piece of analog tape and all the rest of it they all kind of i don't know if i say natural but they're types of distortion that occur in the real world to some extent whereas you know just like truncation distortion in terms of not dithering things d digital clipping just it's it's a it's a pure kind of artifact of the numbers it's just this it doesn't feel right to me i was going to say that there's a more gradual roll off or roll up on a compressor it would be called knee with analog it's more like that so you're getting lower amounts of distortion happening up to 12 db below and with a software hard clipper or hitting your converter too hard um, it's basically on or off you're either clipping it or it's fine yeah that's 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 true um yeah i think of it as a kind of like a soft knee as well um uh, and it yeah so and uh, well the one thing i should say is i even with soft clipping at some point or another the signal just flattens off you know there's a point where whatever system you're you're pushing can't go any further and at that point again the analogy is closer to the the rotary blades slicing the tops off trees than it is yeah. to something being squashed up into a, a confined space you do then lose something that's so two interesting things i was going to mention about digital clipping that's reminded me of one is it kind of makes sense to me that it sounds clicky it sounds buzzy it sounds gritty um because if you just imagine a smooth sine wave, 
and then clipping it pretty severely so that you flat top off all of those nice rounded peaks, what you're left with kind of starts to look like a square wave um, mm-hmm. because you have quite steep sides and then the top chopped off. And a square wave is a really buzzy, clicky, harsh, gritty sound. Um, in fact, it's kind of, I mean, if you think in terms of a waveform, if you think of what a click is, a click is a, a very rapid up and down kind Voltage of shape. Spike. In, it voltage spike in, in the in the waveform, right? Um, that's why it sounds like a click because the signal goes from not very much to really a lot, very very fast. Um, so you just hear that change in energy. And either end of the square bits of a square wave, that's exactly what's happening. You're going from one voltage to another one very fast. Um, so when you think that that's what you're doing to the waveform, it makes perfect sense that any of the kind of the smooth tones that are part of that audio signal are going to have that gritty, harsh quality added into them. Um, The other thing I was going to say is that I did some experiments with this years ago now where I really pushed various different types of clipping hard. I think from memory it was something like 12 dBs worth of clipping just to kind of see how big a difference there was. And the, the thing that I remember that I noticed that happens with digital that doesn't happen with any of the soft types of clipping that I was experimenting with is that beyond a certain point, you start to lose frequency content. We all know that if you want to make things super loud, then it's important to reduce the amount of bass because the bass is the thing that distorts first and sounds worse. Um, But actually, even if you don't reduce the bass, when you really extremely hard clip something, you actually start to lose bass content. And I don't looked into the, the theory of that in detail, but my kind of hand wavy explanation for it is that you're effectively removing the original waveform shape that was there. You're changing a sine wave um, with, well, in fact, if you think about a natural sound, you have a sine wave and then you have harmonics. And what those harmonics tend to do is add kind of ripples towards the top of the waveform. So your thing that used to be a smooth up and down wave shape kind of becomes a smooth up and down wave shape with some ripples and some wobbles around it at the top. If you just slice the top off all of those waveforms, you're effectively the information about those frequencies is no longer in that waveform. Um, They've literally gone. Whereas with a kind of a soft clipping type scenario, it's much more like the guy climbing the ladder and getting squashed up against the ceiling, having less and less space to to fit into. Um, Those parts of the waveform, they get squashed, they become less important, but their shape changes and you might get some extra wiggles and stuff thrown in. So it all changes, but those things are still there or they're retained for longer. And it's something I don't often hear, but you hear it in a lot of kind of hip hop. It's I find it really ironic because the whole thing about hip hop is this huge, for me, the, a lot of it is the huge low end, these, these you know, the, the huge beats, the, the, the bass line and all the rest of it. But also clipping distortion is used a lot. And that actually fights against, for me, everything that was important about the music in the first place. Because if you push it hard enough, the bass actually just starts to disappear and is not part of the signal anymore and just kind of replaced by this this mush. Um, I mean, is that something you've noticed? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's your that's your homework. And I never gave it this. a lot of thought. Well, yeah, I guess that's, you know, I obviously had too much time on my hands. Um, Perhaps. But, uh, seriously, somebody, some, some, actually, it reminds me, there is a video on my website. We can put the uh, the link in the show notes at themasteringshow.com um, where, you know, it's really hard to talk about how this stuff sounds. People can head over there. There's some demonstrations of different types of clipping and also a comparison with limiting, which you're right. I want to come to that in a bit. Um, but 
anybody can try this you know get get something that's kind of got some nice kind of fairly uh pure bass sound you know not too not a kind of upper mid-rangey uh harmonic kind of bass sound a kind of deep rich bass sound clip it really hard and then level match it and listen and you'll just hear a load of that richness and that tone in the bass it's not just that it's adding distortion higher up the richness and the tone the actual frequency content i bet if you ran an analyzer on it you would see it um is reduced just because the waveform shape is destroyed how would someone clip it and buy quite a lot in the dot what would they use i mean the easiest way is just to turn it up and then export although it. if you turn it down if you yeah you do have to export it if you turn it up on one yeah, fader, you, turn it down on the next fader, the clipping will be removed because it's floating point. Right, because you have floating point, which we've mentioned before, and I'll come back to it in a little while. Um, well, I guess we could talk about it now. Yeah, I mean, no, let's come back to it later. <laughs> um, yeah, so if, if you crank, take something that's already peaking close to zero, crank it up by 12 dBs, export it or bounce it or consolidate it, whatever the, the terminology is in your DAW, and then bring that file back in and turn it back down again. And just like when you lower the hydraulic ramp with the trees, see, the analogy wasn't that bad, you know? When you lower <laughs> the hydraulic ramp with the, with, the, with the trees on it, they, they still have the tops chopped off, right? The fact that right. they're not in the fan yeah, yeah. anymore, the damage has been done. And the same thing applies to audio. And that's why, actually, that's why clipping is a problem. Um, I've got here, we need to talk about the problems and the benefits. And one of the problems is it's very hard well it's almost impossible there are some digital tools where you can to some extent rescue hard digital clipped audio but analog clipping is really hard to undo i'd go so far as to say it's it's probably impossible um with the tech that's around at the moment um and yeah so in order to do that comparison kind of lock the changes in somehow save the file out bring it back in and you will obviously you'll see the waveform just been clipped um and once you've turned it back down 12 dbs then you can do that comparison you could also use there's a ton of plugins um and things that do this kind of stuff but again we can talk about that at the end because i kind of had those in the tools category and that's you know just straight clipping is probably the the quickest way to achieve that result okay maybe we should talk a little bit more about why soft clipping doesn't sound so ugly do you know the stuff about the harmonics I was going to look this up and I didn't have time. The, base, the harmonic content of a digitally or hard clipped signal versus a soft clipped signal is different. When you overdrive um, amplifiers, for example, or uh, speaker cabs or whatever, you can get nice distortion um, that introduces harmonics that sound pleasing to us. And I think it's either odd or even harmonics. I can never remember which one it is. It's even order harmonics, which is multiples of the fundamental frequency it'd be like 1k 2k uh 4k 8k those intervals and that, and that makes sense because those emulate the kind of the natural frequency response of sounds in the, in the first place um whereas odd harmonics don't sound great and what you get with digital distortion is i think they're called n harmonic it's n harmonic distortion which basically means actually it's just a mess it's just it's random it's, it doesn't have a musical or mathematical um, correlation to the original sound. Exactly. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think that it sounds so unnatural and it sounds so unpleasant to us. So 
depending on which type of clipping you're using and depending on your taste, uh, it can sound bad. Um, in some cases, it can sound really bad. So that's a problem if you don't like the way that it is. Another problem is, like I just said, it's really hard to compare. I think it's a, it's a problem that it's unnatural. Do you think of any other problems I haven't covered? Clipping can happen at any point in the signal chain. It can happen at the microphone. It can happen at your preamp, the output of your preamp into your converter, some sort of digital tricks that you're doing on the recording input in your DAW, you know, any number of places in a mix. And when it gets to mastering, usually if you see clipping, you send it back. Um, mm. But it's, it's usually no big deal to have a little bit of clipping um, on purpose in a master. Right. And we'll get to that in a minute. Um, before we do that yeah. well i guess i guess we're kind of there because now we're going to talk I and mean, those those are the problems we can now talk about the benefits I, I only have two benefits though um i mean and one of them i guess is not so much that it's a benefit as that it's just a reason that it's not necess necessarily so bad and we, we touched on it which is that small amounts can be hard to hear especially actually digital clipping despite the fact that i've been really hard on hard digital clipping up to this point um it is true that small amounts of it can be really tough to pick out, um, especially if it's on, you know, percussive or very transient um, material. It depends on taste and it depends on the material, um, but it can be quite transparent, which is why it gets used in mastering. There may be a point where it is clipping without adding harmonics. Yeah, it's, it's effectively just damaging the transients and transients don't have harmonic content because they're much more noise-like signals anyway. Um, so you're just kind of changing the quality of what was there. I mean, I still feel there's a, there's a brittle kind of edgy quality to it that I don't like. I mean, I'm just not a big fan of it. Occasionally I've clipped things by accident and not noticed. Um, and occasionally people have insisted that I clip things in order to achieve the kind of result I'm about to start talking about. Um, and you know, I have accepted that it doesn't sound that bad. I, and I guess that's the point that Ethan was trying to make before we all weighed in on him, is that, you know, it's not necessarily the spawn of the devil, um, depending on the context. Yeah, so so it could be a, a situation where you have a sound that is extremely short, let's say one millisecond of a snare drum, uh, just that transient there. Um, you can clip that by 3 dB. It basically removes that top... 3 dB of that snare drum at that one millisecond, uh, for one millisecond. And now that snare drum is 3 dB lower, although the weight of the sound is still there. It may lose a little bit of punch or through distortion, it might increase its punch. But now that spike for one millisecond isn't triggering your limiter. And that's the main reason I use clipping uh, really in a mix or a mastering. It doesn't hit your limiter. Same yeah, way. and this is where we need to talk about the difference between. So the main point about it is, uh, you know, all limiters and compressors have effectively attack and release times. Um, so there's an amount of time it takes for them to have the effect they're going to have, and then there's an amount of time it takes for them to stop having the effect they just had. Um, and what you usually hear, and what that video that I was talking about um, demonstrates, is one way or another you can hear that. Um, you know, up to a point. If, if a compressor is too fast, it uh, makes a popping sound. That, well, that can happen. I was thinking more of pumping and just, just kind of a, a, a reduction of impact, a, a dulling of the, um, 
the effect because you, you're kind of reducing the rate of change of the audio signal right you're, you're reducing the speed with which it gets from where it was going to where it went whereas when you just clip something you can definitely lose high frequencies with compression yeah you can you can lose um a sense of life you can uh it can sound less open less clear um but i think for me that the main thing that i hear is it sometimes you can't get it to sound as though it's hitting as hard just using a limiter it just softens the sound kind of inevitably so if we're talking about the benefits and the advantages and why you might want to use clipping uh, the answer is you can boost that level without any of those negative side effects of limiting now i don't personally ever use straight hard digital clipping or only in the very rare occasions that i described i would don't do it by choice um, what i do use um, some of the time, I'm not going to say a lot, but I don't know, maybe well, definitely one in ten and maybe one in five times, I guess, I might use some soft clipping, um, typically an emulation of analog style clipping um, for exactly that reason. You can keep the aggression in the sound. I mean, actually, another interesting situation is where you have something and it's it's loud enough in terms of the level and in terms of what I'm hearing but it sounds too polite. So that kind of softening, that kind of the cleanness of a really good limiter that you're not pushing too hard, maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want a bit of bite, you want a bit of energy, you want some of that aggression, maybe you even want some of that distortion because basically what you're trading with clipping versus limiting is uh, pumping versus distortion. Clipping achieves sometimes a more apparently transparent result uh, kind of paradoxically by adding some distortion and i got into quite an interesting another interesting debate on facebook this time with stephen slate who i'm sure everybody has heard of um, about his fgx plugin which they kind of market as a limiter but it's not it's actually a very sophisticated clipper um and it the idea is that it varies the type of clipping depending on the material to use the most transparent type and then you can obviously dial in other parameters to try and retain more of the apparent impact and punch of the material before clipping afterwards um the the kind of in some ways the that sounds really smart it does sound really smart except this was a case he had posted he says uh it was a kind of putting my money where my mouth is kind of post he said take a listen to this um you know I managed to get far more transparent results lifting this audio with the FGX than with any other of these limiters that I had tried. And he posted these two clips. And the one that had been boosted through the FGX did sound good. I have no problem with the way that it sounded, but it didn't sound transparent to me because I was hearing distortion that was being added because that's what the FGX does. It's kind of very controlled, uh, very nuanced distortion from where i sit that's not what transparent means whereas he felt that it sounded more transparent in the sense that it retained more of the dynamic feel of the original despite the fact that the uh the peaks had been controlled um and the distortion didn't bother him that much because he felt that it was appropriate for the material and i wouldn't necessarily disagree with that it was kind of edm style stuff so we had an interesting and very polite um, conversation that went on for quite a while and, and lots of good points got made. Actually, if I can dig out the link, we could put that in the show notes as well for anybody who wants to check it out. But my final position was, you know, whether you, if you choose to use clipping, 
the FGX in this case, or anything else, that's fine. But be aware that it's a choice. It's not some kind of magic bullet that enables you to do all this stuff that you can't do with limiting. It achieves something similar in a different way. And so it, I, I very much feel it should be a choice rather than a default. You know, I, the, the FGX would not be, I mean, it's absolutely a great tool in certain situations for a certain kind of sound on certain kinds of material. But it's not, I would never use it as my only method of controlling peak levels. Getting back to the advantages, I agree with you. The One of the key advantages of using some clipping in there is that you can reduce the amount of work that the limiter has to do. So rather than having a limiter doing 6 dBs of peak reduction, you could have 2 or 3 dBs of soft clipping, followed by 2 or 3 dBs of limiting. Neither process has to work too hard. You can balance the two against each other, trade them off, and get a better result, uh, a more transparent result for me, You know, a more, a more inaudible, a more unnoticeable result um, to get the goal that you're going for. I think the loudness rating would be the same yeah, as it, well, but without that, without that pumping. Yes, that's right. It's the you know because the the loudness is based on you know roughly speaking the RMS or the you know the LUFS reading and peak level has almost nothing to do with loudness. Um, I mentioned this back in one of the really early episodes, but you know if you just kind of compare the sound of a say a, a gunshot or a snare hit with a sustained sound like a flute, uh, if you match the peak levels the flute will sound way, way, way louder than the gunshot or the snare hit. What you need to match is the RMS levels, um, in which case the peak levels will be way different, but the loudness will sound similar. And the same thing applies here, you know. Well, if you push things really hard into a limiter, this is the thing, because it is actually pulling back the gain in order to achieve its result, sometimes you will get something that's not quite as loud as if it went through um, a clipper. But I think for me, then you're getting into the territory of, of pushing limiters too hard. As I said in the episode on limiting, and I've said kind of every so often, uh, for me, if you can really hear a limiter working and it's changing the quality of the sound, you're probably working it too hard. Um, and I guess that's a case where I might reach for a clipper, is if I want something to be as loud as I have it, but I'm hearing the limiter working, then possibly using a, a, some clipping might be, some soft clipping might be a way to achieve that result. Unless you think I've missed anything on that, we could talk about the tools and we could talk about the plugins. What are your favorite hardware or software tools for clipping? I don't use any hardware for clipping intentionally. Um, I mean, other than like guitar chains, mm -hmm. I would use a tube screamer to clip before the amp. Um, and that's an extremely common way of doing it where it's intended because you lose some bass. It cleans up the, it tightens up the sound. But uh, in software, especially in mixing and mastering situations, uh, there's LVC Audio Clip Shifter. Uh, there's a free version and a pro version. Pro version has like MS controls and uh, it even has attack and release controls, which is <laughs> quite odd. But, <laughs> but it has uh, a really great graph where it's showing the peaks um, over time and you can see the threshold controls. There's a threshold and a ceiling control, and there's makeup gain and controls over what types of harmonics or the harmonic shape mm -hmm. from hard to, to quite rounded. Um, that sounds cool. And I it's a very interesting that. one that's pretty affordable. Um, there's also the, the one in the T-Rex bundle. Um, classic Clipper, I think isn't it? it's just called Classic Clipper. Super easy to use. There's three knobs. There's like a 
input gain, the shape of the clipping, and then an output control that goes above zero. It's intended to use to be used before a limiter or compression just to manage the peaks. So I'm using that one fairly often. I think that one does sound probably the best. Uh, I had another one. Oh, there's just some that are included with Reaper, right. just the, the JS plugins. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, but it's, it seems like a pretty simple technology that I have no idea how it is achieved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think they're all variations on a theme. Um, I mean, I have no idea how the FGX works in detail, for example, because I don't think things like the FGX use actual clipping. Um, you know, I think it's exactly what you were saying. They have a soft, they have a variable knee and they just define a, a signal maximum that it can't go above, which is effectively what happens. That's a byproduct of clipping. Um, but, uh, I mean, in theory, you could do the same thing. You could, you could go through with the pencil tool that you used to have in sound tools and stuff and just kind of draw a flat top across all of the waves in a signal. In fact, there's probably some audio processing where you can do that. That would clip them without the signal ever having gone near digital zero. So I think kind of just get it, getting nerdy on the whole definition of clipping. I mean, it's you could clip something to any level. We could lower the, uh, the level of the, the upside-down helicopter blades we don't have to push the signal up into them. We could reduce it down and chop the tops of the trees off that way. Uh, the the kind of the the net result is that the signal gets clipped, but there's a, a million ways to skin the cat. I would think. Yeah. Oh, ozone also has a, a clipping mode in the maximizer. Has it? I haven't tried that. It's in ozone five for sure. It's just one of the limiter modes. Okay. Probably the one you would want to use least. <laughs> Um, oh, I've I've missed that. So my favorite is um, the is included with the the I keep mentioning this the the TC Electronic, um, uh, well, it's the MD3 package that you would have to use that you can get with the PowerCore expansion system that's not available anymore, but it also is available in their System Six Thousand, the the kind of megabucks hardware unit. Um, I th there's a, a soft clipping mode in the limiter there, which is the first one that really i ever used and that i still is one of the best sounding as far as i'm concerned um but i have also used uh the kazrog i think that's right k clip clipper i've used the t-rex one okay. um and the kazrog is also very affordable and um has quite especially version two now has quite a lot of flexibility one thing to be aware of is that by it has a, a control called softness which by default is at zero. And if you just use it like that, you are basically just hard clipping. So it's like your digital clipping, even if you change the, you know, boost the input gain and reduce the output gain to, so that you're not actually clipping it. The, if you want it to sound kind of a bit analogy and a bit soft, you need to turn the softness control up. Um, but that also shows you how much you've clipped things by. Um, it, could, it gives you a waveform preview in and out. So that's a pretty uh, nice tool. I've also used some of the, the the kind of console emulation and tape emulation plugins, which they're kind of, I guess, less extreme than a lot of the kind of clipping that we're talking about in this case, but they involve clipping style distortion control of the signal. In the technical definition of distortion, as I said in some show a while back, you know, kind of any change to the signal is effectively a distortion, but not even getting that nerdy. I think I'm right in saying I can't imagine that it would be possible to clip a signal in any way without introducing distortion of one kind or another. 
the question is how audible is that distortion so the way that slate describes the way the fgx works is that it tailors the type of clipping depending on the uh, the input signal so we were talking about how different signals are affected you know it might choose a very hard clipping style if it's detecting that the input signal has lots of percussive elements like drums where you can probably get away with hearing less of that stuff in theory it should use a much softer type of distortion for smoother warmer sounds in practice i don't know i mean you know i'm not saying it's a it's it, it is a good tool it does what it does but in my experience you can't push anything any louder with the fgx than with any other tool because it just starts to distort stuff to a point that i'm not comfortable with so you know even something as, as sophisticated as that inevitably involves a level of distortion and i think that's one of my the big kind of points i would make from this is it basically if you're choosing to use clipping you're trading off distortion versus other there's you know there's no free lunch if you want to boost the level up above uh, harder up against the zero limit in digital there has to be a trade-off somewhere uh, something has to give um and in the case of clipping it's a bit of distortion i was going to mention sound toys decapitator which if you think of what is ap actually happening to the peaks decapitator is a pretty um good name for it yes it is a, a distortion emulation analog distortion emulation um so you have to be extremely careful about using that on a mix bus or in mastering it is a very audible distortion there's also some of the air bundle plugins which comes with pro tools and is available separately as bst and aus uh, the air distortion has a clipping option the lo-fi plugin has clip controls um that one unfortunately limits you to 16 bits so like it's made to be a lo-fi sound but you can use it in a mix um as a clipper only if you wanted cool you know there, there are a ton of processes out there i think probably almost anything that's involving any kind of analog emulation is probably going to involve some kind of clipping component in as part of the sound because ultimately uh -huh. if you push any piece of gear hard enough eventually it will clip um and you know uh well it's interesting because lots of people believe that uh pushing analog consoles really hard is part of that signature sound um from back in the day and that we're all trying to recreate these days but actually you talk to guys the the guys who were designing the hardware and the people who were using it back then and they will all tell you that you know absolutely not they were always striving to keep things clean and pristine um i th i think that's one of those uh it's, it's a bit of a myth that sprung up you know there are uh, so this is one of my favorite rants you know there are people who everybody's after the secret of quotes analog warmth um and i think maybe actually we should do an episode on analog warmth um but all i'll say at this point is you know there's lots of people who think that saturation um and these kind of clipping style processes are part of that secret and they might be a tiny little part of it i mean i certainly think you know pushing drums hard to tape involves a certain amount of uh, kind of clipping saturation distortion automatically and as you as we've already said drums can handle that pretty well often if you don't do it too hard um so things like that are probably a factor but i it, there are so many things that go into making a warm analog sound and clipping is as far as i'm concerned just a very small percentage part of it you mentioned 
clipping converters. And I guess we should touch mm-hmm. on that briefly. I have heard some big name mastering engineers say that deliberately clipping their converters is part of their recipe for achieving really extreme loudness. But some converters do include a, a soft clip circuit. Uh, yeah, so, so supposedly the, 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 the highest end converters have more analog headroom so you can effectively uh, drive them into an analog clipping mode and they will sound better than if you just tried to hard digital clip something inside the DAW. I mean, this is something that I personally have not experimented with myself. I've never owned a converter that's good enough to do it. No, and I've also heard people say that this is all a complete myth <laughs> and that there aren't <laughs> any converters that are actually that great. I mean, I can't speak from experience. You know, I, I have had an analog digital hybrid mastering setup back in the past, um, but I never pushed the converters. There wasn't a technique that I'd heard of then. And I mean, everybody knows I'm not that into loudness anyway. So it was never something that I kind of was tempted to experiment with. Um, these days, I'm almost completely in the box because I think I get better results that way. And again, you know, clipping converters, if I'm going to do some clipping, I'd prefer to do it digitally and have complete control and flexibility over it. Um, so, but that is you know, another way that some people do it. And of course, people do it by actually yeah. owning a console or a classic piece of gear and, and pushing that really hard. That's another way that you can uh, achieve these effects. I'm sure that the converter clipping became popular or was widely used because there weren't a lot of good distortion plugins back then, or really like any good hardware distortions that you would want to put on your mix bus. They did it with Pro Tools HD, which was a fixed point system. It had more headroom, but you could take advantage of its limited headroom by pushing up signals really hot into it, and you cannot turn that distortion down. So that was one way of doing it, and I think that was one of the only ways that they could get more volume without pumping the limiter and things like that. I think, yeah, I think it was more about, I mean, you're right that the tools weren't available back then, um, but I think it was really the quest for loudness. I mean, I remember this being discussed at the the mastering house the, where I used to work. Um, there was there was a kind of debate amongst all of the engineers there about we were hearing about these strategies of of American mastering engineers of deliberately you know because when I was trained initially digital clipping was a complete no no it was you know I mean it it actually it technically it violates the CD spec if you have more than three consecutive samples hitting zero you're out of spec in practice nobody pays a blind bit of notice to that these days but you know that was kind of the 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 angle that I was trained from. Um, and I was yeah. taught to use limiters effectively to avoid that if you wanted, if you needed to. Um, but then at some point, you know, the, the loudness wars were, were starting to take effect. And yeah, we had this debate about hearing about these American mastering engineers deliberately digitally clipping stuff because the very short transient clips were barely audible if they were audible at all. Um, you know, and there was this... Or they, or they would add a click or a crunch or something that they liked yeah they, they was might different add than what that, they that, were that, able to do they're right that, pe- that people liked and actually i remember overdrive using the digital gain in a sony 7000 7030 dat machine had some built-in dsp uh to do exactly that to, to deliberately digitally clip things um and listen to the result and we clipped a piano by two or three dbs and went nah 
and, and moved on. And, and you know, the, the rest of the world had a different opinion. But um, so I heard about this uh, like 10 years ago. It would have been like 2006. I heard about this. Uh, yeah, I was I was wrestling with it. Ninety nine, 2000 um, was when the well, I don't know when this debate about the, the digital clipping came in, but it would have been around about that time because, you know, that was because we were listening to this stuff coming out of the US and just going, how did they get it that loud? Um, yeah. And actually, so to, to, to go into a little tangent, I was listening to a recent episode of uh, Bobby Ozinski's podcast where he was interviewing the guy who mastered, I mean, a ton of big name releases, um, but the Seer album was the one that sprang to mind. And he was basically saying, I mean, A, he was saying the loudest wars are still in full effect. Everybody still wants extreme loudness. Um you know, I have a different opinion on that, but that was his take on it. Um, and 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 Bobby was like, and you achieve that by using clipping, right? And he said, yeah. He was completely open about the fact that he happily clips as necessary. And basically what he said was, you know, if he, uh, his, his point of view was that you don't notice it. And then at the points where you do, and he used the example of, say, a guitar solo, he said, at that point, I dropped the limiter in. So he would do one pass of the song, just clipping, and then he would go back and, and effectively drop in in the sections where the clipping distortion, he found it objectionable um, with a limiter. And, you know, there would be a certain amount of compromise to the sound that he'd originally had in those sections. But he felt that that was getting a result that he was happy with. And I, I mean, you know, if you want an example of an album that's covered in, I mean, to me, it's plain as day that the Sia album is covered in limiting, in clipping distortion. Um, it has exactly that kind of fizzy. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't have a gritty sound to it, but it definitely has this kind of. I'm going to use the word shish. <laughs> I've just made that up. <laughs> it's just got this thing okay. about it that it uh, and it. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I just you know, if 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 somebody had said to me, "How did they get this that loud?" I would have said, "I think it's been clipped." Um, so I just fundamentally disagree with what he's saying. And maybe we have different thresholds of what audibility is or of taste or the pressure that we're under by our clients. Um, you know, but I just, yeah, it just plays back to me into this, the whole, I just don't think digitally clipping stuff is the right way to achieve things. You know, it's technically it's a fault. Um, and you know, I know, oh, that's something I was going to mention back in the, right at the beginning of this show, you know, I mean, Yes, it's a fault, but so was what the Beatles did on Revolution when they plugged a guitar straight into uh, the mixing desk and just cranked it up so that it distorted. That's covered in analog clipping distortion, that guitar sound. If you listen to that track to this day, it's an incredibly aggressive uh, guitar sound. Um, and it's just one of those really early examples of a creative use of something that was as far as the guys in lab coats at Abbey Road were concerned, a technical fault. Um, these days, it's everywhere. Um, so, yeah. you know, and and there are people who say digital clipping is just the sound of music today. Um, and, you know, if that's true, I wish it wasn't. And I, I don't believe that it is true. I just think it's something that's happening a lot. And uh, I just think it's a shame. But... Um, you know, for, for all the reasons that we've been into on all these other shows. So there we go. Uh, anything else you want to add? <laughs> I think I had something, but it's, it's gone now. Yeah. It'll come back to you if you did. I think I had something, but it might have gone as well. That's okay. I, I'm just going to summarize, s summarize this. I mean, as I do believe that clipping basically is a fault. So I think the golden rule is avoid unintentional clipping. 
You know, if you choose to use clipping, all well and good, but it should be a conscious decision for a good reason, you know, uh, whatever that might be. Um, just like choosing to use it as part of a guitar sound or anything else is is a is a creative decision. And therefore, I think that tools, cl clipping tools, whatever they might be, should not be the default method of controlling the peak level of music. I don't think it's a sound that suits everything. Something we haven't mentioned is the whole issue of floating point. Um, I guess we could briefly say that, you know, in a floating point system like a modern DAW, it's not possible to clip the audio signal until you get to the output bus. So you don't have to worry too much about clipping channels, providing when it hits the stereo output bus, it's not hitting zero. It's the point where you export it, that point you made earlier on. If you turn something up and then turn it down, you're fine unless it gets saved to a file. Um, so the, the kind of the clipping is locked into the file. But even so, even with a modern 32-bit floating point system, you need to be careful because some plugins don't use 32-bit floating point correctly or they don't... Uh... Or they intentionally add distortion that can't be removed by gain changes later on in the signal path. Exactly. Um, so, you know, at that point, clipping a channel fader or whatever could introduce clipping that you weren't aware of. So then you're in this unintentional clipping situation that I think you should avoid. To some extent, that's a safeguard where we can worry about this stuff less. You know, I mean, again, back in the day when I was starting out, all of the digital stuff uh, was either 24 or 48 bit, but it was fixed point. So clipping was something you worried about at every stage. The, the, the signal flow and the, the gain structure was very important, even though you're in a digital system. These days, that's kind of less of a factor. Actually, my final point was just, I've already mentioned it, you know, if you want to use clipping, if you want to experiment with it, of course, uh, do. It's another creative tool that we have at our disposal. It can achieve stuff that other techniques can't achieve sometimes, but it's like salt, you know? Salt is a, an essential ingredient of great cooking. Hey, we've gone right back to the introduction. That's great. We have some symmetry. <laughs> um, yeah, salt is an essential ingredient of great cooking, but if you use too much of it, it tastes horrible. And I think clipping is the same. It can be an essential ingredient of certain types of sound and to achieve certain results, but too much of it always sounds horrible. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Okay, well, I hope you guys listening found this useful or interesting. Head over to themasteringshow.com to check out the show notes. We've got links to some of the things we've been talking about, um, maybe even some of those Facebook discussions. Uh, sign up to the email list to be notified of future episodes and any other cool stuff we might have going on. Um, check out John's site, reaperblog.net. And thank you, John, in advance for editing and mixing this episode. Enjoy that. Thanks to Kaylee Law for doing the music, as always. And please um, head over and find us on social media. We're both on Facebook and Twitter. We're everywhere. John, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to have to edit this out because we're so far off topic. <laughs> so far off topic that John has nothing to say in response to that. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs>